listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. Welcome to the 2020 edition of Faith Stories. I'm Anne-Marie Shambaugh, and I will be your host for most of the weeks. It's going to look a little bit different this year. Uh, We'll be doing it virtually, but I hope that it will still be encouraging to you and your family as you hear about the many wonderful things that have happened in the lives of people in our faith community. Today we are joined by James and Carrie Custer. They began attending Faith about two years ago and have been active in the FIAC ministry and recently taught a connection class. They've been married for 30 years this year and they have three kids who are in their 20s. And today they're gonna be speaking about when life takes an unexpected turn, which is something I think we can all relate to right now. So, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. So I introduced you a little bit, but I was hoping you could just start off by telling me a little bit about your backgrounds, where you grew up, that kind of thing. Well, um, I was born in New York State, near Buffalo, lived there nine years, moved to South Carolina for another nine, um, went to Georgia Tech in Atlanta, and while I, was a stu- while I was a student at Georgia Tech, that's when I became a believer in Christ and was challenged to go on a summer mission trip. In 1987, I went to UCLA to work with international students, and that's where I met Carrie. I'm from a small town in Minnesota, so born and raised, and I lived in the same house. Uh, didn't really travel a whole lot, but went to college in the, right in the center of the state and actually became a believer um, at St. Cloud State University. And it was my sophomore year, and so grateful, so grateful to be involved in the campus ministry there and people that helped me to grow. And all around me, people were going on mission trips. So I thought, if you were a Christian, you went on a mission trip. And which I think is good uh, advice, but it was just, I think a couple of my friends had gone to that um, project that was helping out with the international students at UCLA, and I thought, I want to go to California, so not very spiritual reasons, but I thought, why not? I want to do it, even though I was only a believer about a year at that point. Okay, so you're in California. You're both in California now, and that's where you meet. Mm. Um, Talk a little bit about um, that and how you kind of got this vision to take what was next for you guys. Sure. I think one of the, one of the, during the summer mission, they would have speakers come in and talk to the whole group. There are about 60 students there. uh, And one of the guys challenged us and just said, hey, if you would, how many people would like to draw closer to God uh, in your walk with God? Well, of course, Every hand goes up, right? He says, this is what I want you to do. Go somewhere where you don't have those things that hold up your Christian faith, like where you're not in your church, there's not Christian radio, there's not all those other things that we have here in America. Um, but just go somewhere where it's you, God, your Bible. And uh, Asia was about the farthest place I could think to go. And so that following year, um, I went to East Asia and spent a summer there learning language, but also ministering to people uh, there. It was while I was there that I really feel like um, just literally physically bumping into people all day long. If you wanted to go anywhere and do anything, it was just people, people, people. Mm-hmm. And there was also, I knew that most of them probably did not have an opportunity to hear the gospel. And so that really made a deep impression on me. And I thought, at that time too, I understood that maybe about nine out of 10 people that went into missions or ministry in America stayed in America, and only one out of the 10 went abroad. And I was like, I could be that one. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was kind of the beginning of my journey that took us ultimately to live in Asia. Did you have any connections to Asia before this? <laughs> um, only, not, no, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
And Carrie, what was that like for you, you know, with James having this, this, these big, you know, visions and dreams to do something big like this? I think it kind of came slowly as far as, like, I, I began that summer to really understand a little bit about people from other countries and not having heard anything about who Jesus was. And that really made an impression on me. And then it was James and my discipler and my roommate who were all, all, all went on mission trips in Asia. And so I think just as I began to catch a vision from them. And then as we began to pray more as we were dating um, from Minnesota to Georgia, just I think God just began to capture my heart with that area of the world as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a, a big change. Um, can you talk a little bit about what it was like, you know, once you've decided you're going to go, you're going to do this, how do you prepare and how do you actually make that happen? Hmm. We had a little bit of an advantage because for about mm -hmm. seven years I was in a role, I was recruiting teachers and business people to go work in East Asia as missionaries in a closed country. And so that was the idea is that you would use your teaching or your business background to serve people uh, and, and share the gospel. So I've been preparing people for many years mm -hmm. to go and do that. So for us, and we had also had the opportunity to go over each year uh, as a family. We would we would go and do like a, maybe a, a summer mission or um, maybe just visit for various reasons. And so for us, the transition wasn't maybe as huge as for some of the families that I sent. And maybe this was their first time out of the country. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it was a big change for them. But I think just I think just those those vision trips, a lot of prayer. Uh, those were some of the things that helped prepare us to go. Okay. So when did you actually go over there for, for good? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We moved in February of 2002, and that began a new chapter in life as we lived in East Asia. Okay. And what was that like adjusting to such a big change? And at that point, what were you doing um, in your, your ministry and role? I think some of the biggest changes initially were just living urban so we had come actually from a small town in, in Washington State, 6,000 people, and now we're in a city of 7 million. So I think just concrete, very, very few trees, very little grass, uh, where are the kids going to play, uh, those kind of things that seem really normal to you living in the States, at least for a lot of people, unless you're in a, a very large city. So, and not having a car. Uh, not reading, being able to read any of the signs, <laughs> and you just you're, you're brought back again to what it feels like to be a kindergartner, or you mm -hmm. just the literate world to you is just very unknown. So learning the language, and um, I think those those things, the language, and I think in living urban were just two of the things I think I found to be the most difficult initially. That would be a big adjustment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about for you? Uh, I totally agree. I think what we realized was that the, the biggest cross-cultural challenge for us was living urban. Mm -hmm. uh, the irony of that is that our kids are kind of like, that just is normal for them, and that's still a struggle for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> were they born there or here? The kids were three, six, and eight, okay. I believe, when we moved over. Okay. Yeah. But for them, I mean, this is where they did a lot of their growing up. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. This okay. is home for them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is one of those, actually one of those questions that we get a lot when we would come back on a summer uh, assignment, people would be like, oh, aren't you so glad to be home again? And they're thinking, but <laughs> my home is over there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're over there. You're doing life over there. Your kids are growing up. Um, what did daily life look for you? Um, and what were you doing at that point? Yeah, my role, so I was, a, I was a part of an international school. I was a HR director and operations manager for the school. 
So that's what I did kind of on a daily basis. Um, daily life involved, actually it's kind of interesting, our lives are, even though we lived in a big city, it was, we also, we kind of lived in this little tiny bubble of just everything we needed was within a couple miles. The school, my office, grocery mm -hmm. store, everything was very close. Um, and also living in an international community, there's kind of a, a closeness. Of, there's only so many foreigners that are there, and so you kind of all tend to know each other. There's also mm -hmm. that aspect um, of, of just close relationships with, let's see, I would be my, my teacher, my kids' teachers. I was their boss in some respects because I was on the school board. Uh, I was also like their pastor because I worked at the International Church. And so there's just a lot of interconnectedness mm -hmm. there. And um, I think that is challenging sometimes if you don't like that closeness. Um, but it's also kind of really cool, too, because having our kids' teachers over for like New Year's mm -hmm. or Christmas or that kind of a thing was, was just a normal part of life. And mm -hmm. we were just really involved with one another. Yeah. So life was going well for you guys. You were well-established. Your kids were growing up overseas. Things were going well. When suddenly your circumstances started to change, it was beyond your control, and you realized you might have to make some big changes. Um, what was that like for you? Yeah. I, I, uh, one of the things, basically when we moved to East Asia, we thought our intention was to go for a long time. We sold our house, we sold our cars, we gave away our stuff, and we didn't have a plan to come back to the States. Mm -hmm. But over time, I would observe people would leave, other people that also had long-term plans to stay uh, would leave for various reasons. Maybe their kids went to college, there was a death in the family, there was whatever it was. There were, there were things, unexpected things that happened in life that brought them home. And so always in the back of my mind, I thought, hmm, that could happen to us. But I never really expected it. So we did have some uh, challenges uh, there were some uh, family issues that had happened that uh, were severe enough to where we were not able to stay. Uh, at least we thought maybe we would just leave short term and come back. But, but anyway, we needed to leave the country just for the safety of some family members. So um, that was hard. There, were, there was a lot going on there. It would probably take another faith stories to explain just all of those, that backstory. But um, just, I would just say that, that was the most painful thing I've ever experienced was going through those several months of just um, crisis and uh, family pain and uh, just kind of not knowing, you know, what each day, each day brought a new surprise. And it was, mm. it was, it was horrible. I don't know, mm. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if you want to. And I think the situation was difficult in itself, but then as we realized and we're talking with some other folks, just that, we were going to have to pull out. Just yeah, there's just so much that it's ra that's wrapped up around that that leaving idea, and so we had to. It was maybe like two three months that we had heads up that we were going to be pulling out. And I remember one of my goodbye parties. Uh, <laughs> my friend said, "Carrie, it seems like you're just having your friends over," and I'm like, "I have to think about it that way because right now the idea of leaving is still just so painful." Uh, for me, and just the, the total unknowns of what was going to happen with our family. And, yeah, what was next? We had really no idea. It was a very dark, dark time in our lives. Right. So this obviously is not at all what you had planned for, not what you were expecting. Mm -hmm. You thought you'd be there for a good bit longer. Um, can you share um, some things that may have happened that did bring you encouragement or hope along the way in this really dark time? Yes. 
<laughs> I think one of the things that really stands out to me was time and time again, God would reveal information to us that was helpful at that moment. It's a little bit difficult to explain without giving a lot of details, but I, I can just say that I mentioned there was a close international community. We had a lot of friends. And so sometimes it might be just as simple as you, you're, you, you walk in the grocery store to get something and you bump into someone you haven't seen in a while, and they're like, oh, hey, by the way, did you know such and such? I'm like, no, but that's really a helpful piece of information. Like I, it just it was part of a puzzle that was kind of being put together. Um, and things would happen like that all the time. That was one. And then I think just the support of friends. When we needed people, there was uh, one night that was particularly dreadful, and um, uh, it, was, it was basically, I just I called a friend at, I don't know, midnight, one, I don't know what time it was, and just said, we need help, can you come? And so they, this couple came over and, um, uh, and assisted us at that moment, and uh, I, don't know, I don't know what we would have done without friends like that. It would have been a different story. And another friend, too, that we had actually maybe only four or five months ago just began to get to know, mm -hmm. and she was a she is a trained counselor, and she was just available at any time, day or night, and just, just spoke words of truth to us and words of hope and would pray. She was amazing. Uh, I was also connected with another person, actually, who was back in the States, and we would do... I guess back then Skype calls, I don't remember what we called it, but she would, she had walked in our shoes and was actually already helping other people who were going through our same things. And so, yeah, someone who just kind of had already, could kind of help, help us navigate what was happening and what was truth about what we were experiencing. And that was very, very helpful as well. How did you feel about your relationship with God going through something like this? You know, you are there to be serving him, and then something like this happens. Yeah. I mean, did, were you able to cling to your faith for, for hope, or were you angry with God? What was that like? I think lots of different emotions at the time. I think when you're in crisis, even though it felt very dark, I mean, there were definitely times when I didn't necessarily sense God's presence. There are times I remember just opening up God's word and going like, I don't know where to read. I don't, it just feels like it's not really seeping into me. And so I would just use praise music because um, worship music is just a really connecting thing for me and my faith with God. And so that just kind of was like my lifeline at that time. And so I would hear the music and I would hear the truth and just, that just helped sustain me and, and give me some source of strength as well. So... Yeah, and we would just kind of cling to each other and try to realize that we're not each responding in the same way. So I think that was helpful, too, because there were times when I was, like, super down and James would be strong that day and vice versa. So that was really helpful, too, to help us, you know, as we would pray together and, and whatnot to understand where each other was coming from a little bit. Ditto. <laughs> she answered it so well. <laughs> yes. Okay, so um, you have this huge, unexpected change. Um, you decide you are going to come back to the States, which a move under normal circumstances that big is hard enough, but you know, you're doing it under these circumstances. Um, what was it like then coming back here? What were you doing? And what was that adjustment like for you? Mm -hmm. We had uh, our initial 
return was we, we were in uh, Florida for about a year, and there was a program that we participated in that was really good for um, families in crisis or transition like ours. So it allowed us to do some work, but it was, it was part-time. And then there was just a lot of ministering to us. It was, it was a time of healing, that, that nine months. And, um, but it's interesting, too, because you know, you, when people return back to their home country, they usually go through what we call re-entry. And they're, they're kind of readjusting to the culture. <clears throat> but I feel like for us that was delayed because we had the idea, <clears throat> we really thought that after the nine months, we would return back to Asia and we'd be able to continue living there. And so, so that was part of it. Um, so I feel like our, our real re-entry didn't happen until a year after coming back when we moved to Indiana. Um, I don't know, that first year was a little bit fragmented. Our, our oldest son stayed back in Asia because he was finishing his senior year in high school. So we were living apart from him. Um, one of our other kids was also in boarding school that year, and our family was just kind of all over the map. It was just, it was just kind of a mess. So I, don't, I feel like we just kind of existed for okay. that first year, to be honest. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but there was healing that took place, and there were people that were there to kind of minister, not kind of, but definitely ministered to us during that time. And so what was it that brought you to Indiana? <laughs> that was an interesting time because I feel like it was only May that we discovered we actually weren't going back to Asia. And our son's graduation was happening in beginning of June. And so James had kind of been thinking, okay, what if we don't go back? What would, we, what I, what would I want to do? Where would we want to live? Um, I think it's a challenge sometimes for people in our line of work, <laughs> like we don't necessarily have one home base, and so we've lived in a lot of different places, and so where, we would, where would we want to live? We knew we wanted to drive to our family, um, so it's a little bit of a joke when people, I say, well, we're halfway between our families, well, where do they live? Oh, Minnesota and South Carolina. So James interviewed actually for a couple different, maybe 12 different, cool. he didn't interview for that many, but looked at 12 different possibilities, Inter we interviewed with a couple different um, positions, and Indiana had the, seemed like a good job fit, um, like I said, halfway between our families, and we knew there were good schools. So our international school was just a fabulous place for our kids to, not only with their education, but just in, in many different ways. So that was really important to us. So that was the choice. Okay, and so you moved here. You didn't really know anyone else here when oh you moved goodness, here, no. but I mean... No. That's probably not a big problem for someone who's <laughs> lived overseas before. So, okay. Um, and so when you moved to Indiana, you're kind of starting over again. Um, what did you end up doing here for work, and, and what was that like? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the, the reasons, I came here because I'd had a very administrative job, which I'm gifted in and I, and I do well at, but I don't like it to be so much of my job. Maybe if it was half, that would be great. So I had an opportunity to move into a more creative role uh, in, in video production. And so that's what I came here to do. But we also needed to raise financial support when we arrived. And that took, that took time. And honestly, it was, it was a very difficult process uh, because we didn't know people and it was slow. And I just I was like, I, I'm so done with this. I quit, I quit, I quit, I quit, I quit, I quit. About 100 times, I quit. But we kept going. God raised the support. And... By that time, the video production role had moved. Those peop the, people that, the team that was doing that had, had moved to a, uh, Florida, I guess. And so that opportunity wasn't there. And it's like, Lord, what, what are you doing to us? <laughs> like, that's how it felt, right? Um, so 
it was because it was just a series of things that had, in my mind, not gone according to plan. But God did open another door with immigrants and internationals in, our, in, the, in this area. So our, uh, there was uh, an opportunity to kind of pioneer some work in this area and just kind of find out, well, this is immigrants. Are, there's so many immigrants coming to America. Surely we can, you know, they're, they're, we ought to be reaching out to them. And because they're part of our culture and society now and, and uh, they're playing an important role in, in many cases there. Um, so how do, how do we minister to them? And so for a couple of years, two, three years, Carrie and I just tried various different ideas about how do we connect with this group of people. And uh, so that, that's what we're doing currently. Uh, it looks very different today than it did five years ago when we started. But um, anyway, so that, that's ministry-wise, that's what we're doing. Okay. What does it look like? What <laughs> are you doing with the international community here? Yeah. So one role that has become... Uh, Somewhere along the way, uh, someone invited us to be a part of a Chinese church. They uh, knew that we'd lived in Asia. They had an opening for a youth director. And so uh, initially we weren't too excited about this idea. <laughs> or, uh, we don't really want to work with kids or high schoolers. But we, we really love this group. And uh, it's, it's small, but it's become a big part of our lives, uh, working with the youth at this church. And then um, also more recently, because we're in a transition time, they've asked me to preach, so that's also something that I do there, as well as just being a part of the leadership team. So it's kind of neat to have a connection to Asia through this church, and it's also been a real source of like contacts. So uh, one man came here for business, and he, one of his friends said, when you get to America, go to a Go to a, a church because they'll, they'll take care of you. They'll be your friend and, and help you with your needs. So he did. And in the process, he and I began meeting, uh, shared the gospel with him. Uh, and then over a period of time, he did receive Christ and uh, uh, was later baptized. And, and then God took him back to his home country. Uh, and that happened again. We had a, another couple that uh, we, just we met actually at a different church, but someone just introduced us. Uh, they were newlyweds. We had done pre-marriage ministry in Asia, so it was very natural, the connection, to continue doing that here with them. They became good friends. They had their first child here. We got to meet the parents. And actually, we had a chance to go back to Asia and do some ministry in his factory with his workers. So it's just been really cool to be a part of immigrants' lives, whether they're here or uh, back in their home country. So that, that's one aspect of things that I'm, I've mm. been involved with, just the one-on-one -on -one ministry as well as um, some group things that I do. James mentioned one of the couples. Uh, it was exciting when we did pre-marriage. Uh, actually, they had been married about a year, but I'm like, hey, it works, you know, yeah. <laughs> a year, pre-marriage, whatever. So meeting with them was really cool to get to know them better, but he was a believer and she was not. Mm. So just beginning to share a little bit more with her and she... At one point, said, "Well, I need to tell you, I didn't. I, I made a decision. So that was really exciting. And then to just to kind of get to walk her through, what does your new Christian life look like? What does it mean to pray? What does it mean to confess sin? And just some of these foundational things in our faith. So that was really encouraged, I think, for her and for me to get to see her begin to grow in her faith. And yeah, that was just definitely exciting. And I think just a variety of different Bible studies, sometimes with seekers." Um, non-Christians and believers. I think when you talk about marriage and parenting, I think people people want to succeed in these areas. And many of them are open to hearing about, okay, what does the Bible say about this part of our lives? So for a while, a couple of different 
couple years I was involved with that. That's kind of, people have kind of gone their separate ways, some of them, so that's not going on so much. But God's opened a different door for me. Just our last year in Asia, I was doing some English, English teaching with uh, elementary age kids at the international school. And I felt like God was just kind of reviving that part of my life. My major way back when was education. And so he's just really giving me um, that desire to use English teaching. And I, I love being able to see, like doing one-on-one uh, tutoring as well as helping out at FIAC. And so that's been really cool for me. So it's really cool to see how God used those circumstances, which for you twice didn't go as, as you thought they would, to bring about these um, relationships and people coming to Christ. Um, that's really, really cool to hear. Um, what would you say, looking back on these times, um, that you have learned through it all? Well, one is, I, I feel like I've learned, and I don't know if I've learned this, but I've been experiencing this over and over again, and that's just that, you know, we make plans. God gives us the freedom to do, he gives us, he gives us a big command, like go make disciples, but he doesn't tell us how to do it. And so we're free to make plans, but he also says, you know, commit your plans to the Lord, mm-hmm. and, you know, because they might change. Maybe, maybe he has a different or better way, and so I feel like one of the things I've learned is to be able to say, okay, this is what I think we should do. But I'm not going to get so caught up in it has to go according to this plan because I, God might want to make it this plan over here. And so being, I guess, being flexible in a sense and allowing him to work and redirect as necessary, mm-hmm. that would be one thing that comes to mind. I think also I'm still in process with learning this, but I think more empathy as people have experienced crisis or just different issues in their lives or dark times. I feel like I'm much less quick to judge and can offer some empathy. And just sometimes it's just listening and not saying what you think is the best advice. Um, Times come when that happens, but just kind of trying to be sensitive to other people and what they're going through. I think humility is a huge thing. Um, I don't think most of us think we're prideful, but oh my, oh yes. (laughs) So God just, I think really begin to break down some of that pride in my life and again helping me to empathize and not judge um, so quick and just cling to him at times when it doesn't seem like there's any hope that with God there's always hope um, even when it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, were there any um, scripture verses or passages mm-hmm. from the Bible that encouraged you through these times? Yeah, I mentioned one just now, Matthew twenty eighteen through 20 is one that's kind of been, so when God, uh, Jesus says, you know, go make disciples of all the nations. So for me, that's been kind of a, one, one of the guiding verses in my life. Even when I was back in college and deciding about whether to go on that first summer mission trip, because I already had, uh, had an engineering job that I did every other quarter in school. And so to do a summer mission would mean I'd have to quit that job. And that would be a different direction than what I was expecting to do in life. And so, but I just, I don't know, that verse just kept coming back to me. It's kind of like, I feel like I need to quit my job and do this summer mission. And of course that changed the trajectory of what I'm doing as, you know, as a job. So, uh, and I think, you know, that continues to be a guiding verse as well. Like even now we're, we're kind of at another crossroads in life because things have kind of stabilized and um, we still have this interest and desire and serving overseas and so it's like and uh, I've spent the last several months just really thinking through like okay so what 
what is it that I want to do? I mean, in the, you know, this kind of this next chapter, next section of life, and uh, thought many times like maybe this would be a good time to step into back into you know engineering or, or some sort of a, a a marketplace role. But I think the thing that comes back again and again is just that desire or that command of making disciples and just um, in some of the areas of Asia where there there are you know the, the Christian population is so low and there's so many needs and when we've been there in the last we've been there the last two summers actually we've had an opportunity to go back several summers uh, and while we've been living in Indiana and we just continue to see the need and people are inviting us like you're coming back right it's like we'd like to so anyway but that for me the the, the Great Commission Matthew 28 has been a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. Carrie, how about for you? I think Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all this will be added unto you. So just that idea of always just seeking God first and trying to figure out, you know, and listen to him, what that might mean. I think also Psalm 62, um, verses 5 through 8, really throughout my life, but especially in the harder times. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So I love the, especially the trust in him at all times, pour, you know, pour out your heart before him. Like, be honest with God. Be real with him. He already knows what you're thinking and feeling anyway. So just... Pour it out before him and and lay it at his feet. I love that. I love how you kind of wrap that up because I think right now, living through a pandemic, we can all relate to some of these things you've talked about, you know, with life being uncertain and unexpected things happening and life feeling really out of control. I think we can all relate to that right now Mm -hmm. in one way or another. Um, So, you know, what would just be your advice, uh, your words of wisdom for people as, um, you know, maybe it's the pandemic or maybe it's something else. Mm-hmm. When life is not going to plan, you know, how can you encourage them? One of those areas I feel like it's been helpful for us anyway, and that was just having key people that we could count on. Not, not everyone's going to get it. Like if, if you're going through a crisis or a trauma or something, um, you can't share that with just everybody. Because if they haven't experienced it, or maybe they just don't really understand how to respond, they may not be the right person. So Mm -hmm. you have to find the right person or a safe person that can listen appropriately and um, and just kind of be there for you. And again, that's what ministered to us a lot uh, during this time. I think I've already mentioned a couple of them. Just the idea of getting God's truth into your into your mind. and it could be through reading of uh, some scripture, it could be through prayer, it could be through worship, and just being real with him, like I mentioned before. Um, journaling, I think, helped me a lot to just kind of pour out my heart and just really what was I thinking and feeling and just help, help me to process that as well. Yeah, those are a couple things for me that were very meaningful. I think one other thing, too, I want to add is that idea of finding things that give you joy or mm. refresh you. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're when there's just so much negative or darkness or whatever, it's like you know if, if maybe maybe just watching a movie right now is what refreshes you, go do that. Or working in the yard, I know that maybe that's dark for some people, but <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I really enjoy that. And so being able to find the things you know that 
bring you joy or refresh. Mm-hmm. Those can those can sometimes really help you get mm-hmm. through the difficult times. Yeah, I love that, especially right now. <laughs> I think that's such a good good reminder. Um, well, thank you both so much for being here this morning and for sharing your story with us. Um, next week, we will have Amy Boyle. She is a high school student. Well, she just graduated from high school, actually, and she's amazing. So I'm very much looking forward to speaking with her, and I hope you'll tune back in.